0: Our Lexi for this week is Maidanos. Maidanos, or parsley, used in almost every Greek dish, which is mild in taste, but massive in nutrition. Vitamin C, K, folate, and potassium found in parsley treats conditions like high blood pressure, allergies, and inflammatory diseases. It's in the same family as celery, carrots, and cumin, and Maidanos has two types to choose from, curly and flat leaf. Cool to note is that chewing the herb Maidanos, or parsley, can eliminate bad breath. Best way to store parsley is to wrap the herbs loosely in dampened paper towels and place them in a resealable bag. Seal the bag and refrigerate. Maidanos, a smart first choice when visiting the produce section of your favorite market. This is Kira Moran, president of Kingdom Farms and proud sponsor of Coffee Life. Kingdom Farms provides organic meats, poultry, and fish throughout the USA. Kingdom Farms has been blessed for 52 years with providing the highest quality foods to all our customers. Please contact Kingdom Farms for your culinary needs at www.kingdomfarms.com. Introducing the brand new QuadPod Podcast Network. We're adding new podcasts every day. Visit qodpod.com and meet our podcasters. That's qodpod.com. Athlete, author, and chef Stella Mitsovis is a globally recognized clinical nutritionist who speaks on food science and human nutrition. She's been in private practice for over 10 years with 15 years of experience in health and fitness. Stella has researched and promoted the importance of gut balance, make that gut balance as a key component to wellness. I'm really honored to have Stella join us today as she's traveled the world with the United Nations and their Food for Work program. She's appeared in many media outlets like Good Morning America, the LA Times, Chicago Treb, Fox News, and so many more. Wow, Stella Mizzouis, thank you so much for joining the Kefi Life Podcast so we too can elevate our every day with soul-nourishing rituals.
1: Hello, Kiki. Welcome. So much for having me on your podcast and, of course, connecting through the beautiful Instagram, the imagery of Greece and and food of... of, of how we connected, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. From one Helene to another, I'm just so happy to have you on board, especially because you know so much about food and um, living well. Today, our audience wants to learn more about the gut-mind connection. But first,
1: Stella, are you a native of California and have you always lived a healthy and well lifestyle? I am. So I was born to a Greek parents in Los Angeles, California, and pretty much was raised on a Real Greek diet, and uh, what I mean by that is when I went to school, everybody would kind of take a peek at my school lunches because they were always so odd: moussaka, you know, um little You know, it was a very, very Greek um, upbringing in that sense. My my grandmother lived with me. It, it was it was uh, looking back, it was such a special time in my life because being raised in Los Angeles and then Orange County, um, it was definitely, there was a bit of a partition there with my, my, my schoolmates, but now, you know, I look back and I still remain friends with some of them and they talk about these really cool foods that I used to have that now they go out specifically uh, to eat at restaurants because they remember my school lunches. So it's super, super interesting to look back that way. Um, but I always lived pretty much a healthy Greek lifestyle in Los Angeles and Orange County, California. But what changed was uh, when I began to swim, uh, so I began as an age group swimmer, and um, at that point, my diet was still the same, and then as I increased into the uh, senior group and whatnot and and more of a competitive background uh, with top U.S. Olympic coaches, my diet changed drastically, and it was not the coach's fault. It was just what was considered um, peak performance at that time which would include a lot of refined carbohydrates, um, you know, gels, all these these manufactured products that just took me from a real Greek diet to now um, being on mostly synthetic processed grains. And I guess that would be um, my uh, journey into the world of gut health is when my diet changed drastically from being raised healthy and Greek to now Uh, an athlete.
0: So did you notice a problem with your performance? And then you had to investigate like, Hey, what's going on here with my performance? And did you know it was something to do with food?
1: Uh, At first, not really. And I'll be honest with you. uh, I was fortunate to have a really great collective network of uh, not only physicians, uh, coaches, physical trainers. Back then the gut microbiome or gut health was poorly understood. So what happened is my iron levels were severely low and I would supplement with iron and not necessarily absorb that iron. So my blood tests were really wacky. Uh, My ferritin levels, which is a protein that stores hemoglobin uh, in your body was severely low. So nobody could figure out what was going on. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, as a female, I hadn't quite um, uh, gotten my, my menses at that point. So it wasn't due to um, uh, bleeding patterns. What happened years later, so I'm just going to fast forward, um, feeling ill, working with a great collective network, I then went to to university and I was trying to decipher between sports, medicine, or food uh, science. And taking coursework in both made me realize how much I love nutrition and I couldn't understand why um intricately i realized back then it was probably because i somehow felt in my gut so to speak that something was going on with food intake right wow. so i right. then began to take my coursework in food science and nutrition and realized at that point um that okay this is what i want to do for a career now let's go 3 4 years later when i'm in private practice I attend a conference. The conference was all about gut health and they began uh, sequencing the gut microbiome through taking uh, the stool specimen and looking within your gut at various factors, Uh, inflammation, uh, gut bacteria, things that would look into your true digestive tract, also parasitic infestation, uh, fungi, et cetera, et cetera. It was the first of its kind because prior to that it was just PCR technology that would test for blood, yeast. and of course, you know, the parasites that were shedding at that time. So I took the test because it was offered with the conference. So it, be, it was free. And I remember tucking it in, in back of my my filing cabinet because I didn't think I needed this test. I was maybe, what was I, 27, 28 at the time. So it expired, you know, within a year. And I remember going in there to look at, for a file and, and there it was the test that I did not take that was offered to me, you know, at, at, at gratis because we were uh, uh, at the conference. So I take the test and I'll never forget when I received the results, I actually called the lab and I said, look, you know, this, there's no way this can be my test result. Like, no, this is not possible. So long story short, without boring you about the details of. (laughs) Um, everything that came back positive because it actually kind of is, um, uh, it's very interesting. So one, one thing that I tested positive for was, was hookworm and hookworm is a, um, can be quite debilitating in terms of leaching off of the blood supply of the host, which was me. And was the, was that from food? No, 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 no. So, so this is. The reason I'm giving you like the details, um, not to venture into parasitic infestation, because that's a whole world of medicine that becomes super complex. Um, I acquired it most likely being out and about, maybe barefoot. Um, uh, We had so my parents bred German shepherds uh, for many years, and I could have possibly acquired it from from you know one of the babies or or one of the dogs. There's many ways you can acquire it. Um, Usually, it travels. And and the host will shed it, but for me, it, it did not happen that way. So when I received the test results, um, I then went to my primary care physician and showed him the results, and he had never seen a test like that. Uh, so I was treated for the hookworm, and I was also treated uh, with antibiotic therapy because of the Helicobacter pylori. So I know that's a mouthful, and it's extremely you know weird, scientific sounding and gross sounding, but that right there. So this was circa what was it? It was like 2010. That was pretty much the beginning of gut health uh, in terms of many studies then coming out years after that. So the gut health, the gut microbiome, really began to take um, um, take a precedence in health, general health, because laboratories began offering this type of, of stool test. So as you get that test out there, more and more people are tested and you see, oh, wow, this person has um, SIGA, which is an inflammatory marker in the gut, and that person has IBS. You have now thousands of studies that link um, inflammatory markers in these type of stool tests uh, to people that live day to day without knowing they have uh, inflammation in the gut, or IBS like symptoms they just you know kind of go through life thinking it's almost normal in a sense
0: which is so painful so that- which is so painful like inflammation is such a terrible thing and with all this new research about the gut because it's really becoming a main factor with wellness as you say what can our listeners take away from knowing about the gut how they should get it healthy what they should do to treat it well because i you know i'm hearing all this language about mind fo- brain fog and gut brain health and the association. So kind of give us like a synopsis or a quick, whatever you impart as the best tips for keeping that gut healthy, because it's so important in our bodies.
1: What I would tell all my clientele uh, in private practice, there is no magic pill that's going to bring you gut health. Meaning if there was a magic pill out there that I could say, Kiki, take this, Uh, you're know, you going to experience uh, favorable gut health. Uh, I would say, number one, be weary of products and or companies that essentially solicit health to their customers. Now, a little bit about me to go back. Um, I am heavily involved in the back end of the nutraceutical and food industry. So the front end, I'm a nutritionist who lectures about the Mediterranean diet and gut health. On the back end, I've been working with companies for over 15 years, understanding their, their, their customers, and what ingredients and or formulations work best for an ailment, well, no, I shouldn't say ailment, that's not a good word, Uh, through a particular need of, of, of the consumer. So, number one, food. That is going to be your ticket to gut health. And when I say food, the reason I believe the Mediterranean diet is the best for gut health, and that is what I wrote about in Wild Mediterranean, is because it is so plant-rich. The real Mediterranean diet, not what people think it might be, although now there's a lot of great imagery um, that showcases the Mediterranean diet outside of pizza and pasta. Uh, (laughs) You're looking at a protein uh, to to plant ratio. So the classic Mediterranean diet has about two to three servings of plant-based foods versus one serving of protein. Yes, of course, that's changed now. Unfortunately, many Mediterranean cultures eat way too much uh, animal-based products. I'm not discouraging animal-based products, but the beauty of the Mediterranean diet is truly all of that plant fiber. So the number one key for gut health is naturally occurring plant fiber. I don't mean going and buying it off of the store market shelf in a powder. I mean consuming vegetables. Uh, it is, it is key. So I attended a uh, conference at UC Davis probably about six years ago and many of the researchers, so the, this is medically published peer reviewed journal suggest that we should be consuming about 40 grams of fiber a day, most of which is naturally occurring through plants. The average person consumes about 15 to 20 grams. Okay. Now, if you want to get, It's a real superstar status. If you're into like 50 grams, wow. I mean, 60, great. (laughs) Um, Half of those at least should be from vegetables. Fruits are good, but I tend to discourage uh, fruits throughout the year because sometimes people overdo the fruit sugars, and a sugar really is a sugar. So uh, the diet is the most important. Plant based foods and fibers for the gut is super important. And one of your uh, interests, is polyphenols, right, Kiki? Oh, yes, yes. asked about polyphenols. Yes. Polyphenols are compounds found in foods. I'm sorry, in natural foods. So the way I used to describe it in in private practice is food that grows from the ground. So anything you can imagine growing from the ground, that is not toxic, of course, (laughs) edible. Um, That is the most important food you can select. So yes, there's a lot of packaged foods that do contain uh, fibers in them and are marketed as being healthy, and many of them are. But if you're at a supermarket and you go to the vegetable section and you see potatoes, you see you see every dark green leafy vegetable known to mankind now in most supermarkets. Um, you have so many things to play around with, and that's what the Mediterranean diet is. It's a seasonal diet that's based on on, on, on plant heavy foods.
0: And plant heavy foods, they make you feel different after you eat them. I I've been cutting back on my animal product. I still eat fish and I eat chicken. I eat salmon. I've heard you talk about the salmon from Norway. I like wild caught also, but I think that once we start to embrace the notion of making vegetables exciting, like I think your recipes do in wild Mediterranean, then we enjoy incorporating those so that we can naturally by osmosis become gut
1: healthy. Yes. And that is the beauty of exploring not only the Mediterranean diet, but there are so many, um, uh, cuisines out there where I'll just like Google a vegetable. Like for example, I love Thai cuisine. If it's real Thai cuisine and it's not, you know, heavily spiked with all these sauces, that is not true Thai cuisine. Um, I'll like, say for example, lemongrass, I'll, I'll look at Recipes using lemongrass. For example, last night I made a chicken, just a very simple chicken broth recipe. I bought the bone broth. I didn't have time to make my own bone broth. There's nothing wrong with purchasing your broth. Uh, just make sure it's <laughs> not uh, high in sodium and, and preferably organic. And I added lemongrass in there. I forgot how great lemongrass was. So I added like two little sprigs of, of lemongrass in there and I kind of almost made it like a Mediterranean meets Thai soup. And Exciting. Within that, I, I just loaded it up with parsley. You know, parsley is one of those herbs that is so rich in, in, in not only chlorophyll because it's it's super dark. Um, if you look at, you know, just traditional Italian parsley, it's so overlooked. And guess what? It's so inexpensive, you know, so it, it, oh, yeah. you don't have to go out and spend. This is another thing I tell my clients. And my first practice was in Newport Beach, California, uh, many... People around there were very fortunate that they could go spend, um, um, you know, x amount of dollars on on supplements, and and I can't even begin to tell you how many of my clients would come with like you know a, a bill of five hundred dollars a month of supplements, and I was just like,
0: what? oh my word, what's going on? Speaking here? of that, yeah, what what are the you two things you talk a lot about? My you're you're reminding me of my mother only in um, content here. She used to tell me, honey, you've got to eat more than just regular iceberg lettuce. And you mentioned romaine lettuce and you talk about the nutritional value about romaine lettuce and you talk about um squash and i I experimented last night with squash and olive oil oregano salt and pepper. It was fabulous and I just love i just I want people to i want only because I care people to really embrace this notion of eating food that makes them feel as good as the food is for them
1: yes yes so if if One project I worked on uh, circa 2014, it was one of the largest beverage manufacturers in the world. So they contracted a bunch of different professionals and wanted to understand why green juices back in 2014 were so big. That was the time when juice bars started sprouting up, especially here in California, Southern California. And uh, they just kind of didn't understand what was this crazy, you know, mindset that people wanted green juice. So my, uh, summary was that around that time is when social media like Instagram began to influence people through their imagery. So there are some positive aspects of, uh, of health that is found through social media. And that is when you look at say a green juice, it looks so healthy. It's so vibrant. So imagine if, if just forego the group, uh, the, the green juice, if you were to just go to the, the say, the, the vegetable aisle and select the most phyto, uh, um, most potent color-rich foods, and you just chopped up a salad, like I'm going to make a persimmon salad most likely tomorrow, and just use endives, and the persimmons are just this beautiful orange color. I might put a little bit of Rockefeller cheese in there because in wild Mediterranean, Uh, which also has over 250 citations, medically peer-reviewed citations. It's very important because especially now in the pandemic, or maybe we're hopefully getting into an endemic uh, situation. um, (laughs) Hopefully. uh, You know, you have to be very careful with the health information out there. It's very, uh, very, um, it's a scary world. You know, there's just a lot of information out there that's uh, uh, incorrect and, and has been for a while even Prior to the pandemic, so the 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 study that I'm referencing speaks of probiotics and how one little ounce of Rockefeller cheese. Now, if you cannot have dairy, that's understandable. But their most probiotics are dairy based. Uh, contains more live organisms than something you would take by capsule. So there's there's a lot of information out there that again links back to the age old rituals of say. For example, the Mediterranean diet that also has a heavy, um, uh, natural cheese, um, that my grandmother used to consume all the time because she used to think it was good for her stomach, which I thought was great. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful.
0: And your cookbook is just lovely. It's delightful. I love the art on it. And, um, it's called wild Mediterranean by penguin publishing and it's wildly available. How long did it take you to compile this book? I, I know there's a lot of research involved. There's some great recipes, if you were, if, if someone was to come to you and say, Stella, there's so many cookbooks out there, why should I choose yours? What would you say?
1: All right. So, uh, the way it appears is that it's a cookbook and there are, you know, many recipes in there, but it's also a journey into what is the real Mediterranean diet, but modernized through gut health principles. That's why it contains over 250 citations and also contains such a, um, subset of say, for example, pre-toxing or detoxing through land-based foods or sea-based foods. Now, I would, I would say that Wild Mediterranean, from the time that we started drafting uh, uh, the proposal to the end, was about four years. And the reason it took four years is back in 2016 when we drafted the proposal, the idea of the Mediterranean, linking a Mediterranean diet to gut health was not... Um, it was just kind of like a big question mark. And uh, my my editor at the time, Pam Krauss, who published many books, uh, Bobby Flay's books, um, um, Giada De Laurentiis, Martha Stewart. When I walked in her office that day, let me tell you, I was, uh, I was like, I guess what <laughs> Oh my God. Guess what we started talking about? The first thing, chureki. Grace. <laughs> chureki. Oh, chureki. Yeah. I love that bread. Yeah. Yes,
0: it's delicious. And <laughs> Chureki, bravo.
1: I'm in her office and I see her bookshelf and i see all these you know amazing collective chefs that i've watched for years oh it was just very you know relaxed talking about shureki um but oh. he really took the book into such a food forward fashion that that they felt was was a great representation to get away from the scientific although it is scientific um, um, just to kind of connect everybody through the food and the gut microbiome, so kind of merging those two back in 2017 um, And the the most important aspect of wild Mediterranean aside from promoting plant-based fibers is the fact that you know there are times where you should consume, say, a six to one ratio of plant fibers to protein and that would be included in the pretox. And then from the pretox, which is essentially preparing your gut for a detox. Now, the word detox is also so jaded in the world of of, of food and nutrition. I just, I rarely use that word. That's why I coined land tox and sea tox. Because at that point, if you consume a lot of uh, seafoods and you're good with it, I believe uh, that focusing in on, say, a pro-sea heavy diet for a few days is so beneficial to the gut uh, from many aspects, from omega-3 fatty acids to seaweed. I heavily promote seaweed from clean waters, of course. Uh, iodine content is huge. Prebiotic factors in seaweed are massive and it can be so inexpensive to purchase it. You can purchase it on online, on, on you know Amazon, whatnot. Um, and I make all these recommendations in the book. At the end, there is a shopping list and and companies that I'm not affiliated affiliated with that I recommend.
0: Stella, that sounds wonderful. And you know what? You've mentioned so many things, like for example, iodine that is found in salt, but sometimes you'll look at sea salt and you don't see that word. So we have to be careful of labels as well. But um can't wait to pick up wild Mediterranean in our remaining moments. I would like to ask you two more questions. Um, what if your travels taught you about food? And what does your typical breakfast, lunch, and dinner look like? Because you oh, look gorgeous. God. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so, uh, I used to travel with the United Nations, uh, exploring their food for work programs throughout the world. And what I loved about the culture and the connection to food was its seasonal qualities and how each recipe, all the structures, would just gear around what the season was offering. And that promotes such an interactive experience with the people of the land. Um, It could be somewhere modern like Rome. Uh, So, for example, if you've ever uh, been to the Jewish ghetto in Rome, the artichokes are so incredible there. All the the recipes that come out of this little tiny area. I've never had artichokes like this in my life. Uh, To Peru, we traveled. uh, We were up 12,000 feet in the Andes, and they were still farming up there, 12,000 feet. Never had potatoes like this in my life. Now, granted, I wish I could have those potatoes here. Unfortunately, it's so hard to get them if you can't. But let's just assume we go through a seasonal pattern. This is what I've experienced throughout the world is such a connection with food. And, you know, as as a fellow Greek, of course, and, and, and so many cultures here in Southern California, we have, you know, our Mexican brothers and sisters right next door. And my gosh, I think all cultures bond over food. So that was that was the thing I learned traveling with the UN is 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 the beauty of of being able to to experience um people's families and lives through food. As far as what I eat, <laughs> so <laughs> what I consume, I am I am very plant heavy, natural plant foods. Um I cook a lot like my yaya. Uh, I'm not afraid to use oh. olive oil, although I don't fry with it. I don't use it in high heats. Uh, so for example, tonight I'm going to be making a dish that is pretty much like a, like a, like a Brian and uh, I'll add more of the olive oil on after versus saturating it while I'm cooking it. Please don't get mad, <laughs> 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 especially with the, the Greeks. They like to just pour that olive oil on, which is yeah, great, but. but-
0: But then you can taste the food. Okay, Stella, it's gone so fast. We're out of time, but we're going to have you back at a later time. Uh, Just in conclusion here for today's episode, I'd love for you to just share with people how they can find you online. And of course, we're going to look for your book, Wild Mediterranean.
1: Lovely. So the best way you can interact with me daily is through Instagram, which is wild.mediterranean. And there you can DM me if you purchase the book and you have any questions, DM me there. I'm always, always publishing stories throughout the day. Um, And I hope to uh, connect with you all.
0: Well, we've been so inspired today to eat healthy, to repair our gut through food. And we look forward to our next time. Have yourself a beautiful dinner tonight. Thank you so much. You as well. Stay right there. Up next, your weekly takeaway to keep it all as well.
1: This Ola Kala moment brought to you by the law offices of Liston and Centillus. Ranked number one by the Leading Lawyers Network 2010, taking care of all your real estate needs.
0: Earlier in the interview with Stella, we learned that a diet rich in fiber will create health in the gut biome. What are some good forms of fiber? Firstly, lentils. I eat lentils or fakes at least twice a week. Good for you and good tasting when prepared in a Greek style soup. Next, think about prunes, pistachios, and black beans. Other great sources of fiber include chickpeas, eat these on the regular, oatmeal, raspberries, and avocado, let's not forget these, and apples, broccoli, and kale. For an oligala gut, eat your fiber, make it fresh, clean, and of course, get creative with the preparation. Kiki Vale is the founder of Kefi Life, she is passionate about whole person wellness and living a fulfilled life. Her Keffi Life podcast is created to simply and naturally help you harmonize the mind, body, and soul the Greek way. Visit kepilife.com at Kepilife 365 on Instagram and check out Kiki Vale on LinkedIn and on Twitter. Join us again next time
1: for more positive energy and inspiration on Keffi Life.